This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24 7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Podcast. I'm Jake Karski, joined today by John Litterine. If you're out there on Twitter, give John a follow at J-O-N-L-I-T-T-E-R-I-N-E. You can follow me at Ski 52 John, this is always one of the podcasts I get most excited about over the entire year because it's International Fight Week. The UFC is stacking up the biggest fights that they can make uh, for this Saturday's card live in Las Vegas, Nevada. we got two title fights on the line. Uh, John Jones versus Tiago Santos. Amanda Nunes is defending her belt against Holly Holm. But looking at this card to me, uh, a hundred thousand bucks on DraftKings, John. A hundred thousand bucks. They're doing a contest where it's like a, a twenty-three ninety entry to kind of go along with the two thirty-nine theme. And the winner in this one uh, is going to get a hundred grand. Uh, maybe it'll be split a couple ways. I guess we'll see. But man, that's one of the biggest prizes I can remember. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, this is. You know, fight week is always, you know, in the beginning of July, right around the 4th of July. So, um, you know, it's a good time of year. And, hey, if, you know, you're going to start off a card and give away 100 grand, um, having arguably the best fighter in the world headline, it is always a good idea. Yeah, yeah, right on. So we're going to get into some strategies about how you want to play that contest. Uh, of course, it's a big GPP, so you know, and we'll give you some chalk plays and some other things to go by, but you're definitely going to have to differentiate yourself a little bit, and there are a lot of big favorites on this card, and then the odds, is, it's something that we're going to constantly talk about as we try to find upsets towards the end, but there's definitely a lot of big-time betting odds discrepancy. Aren't that many pick fights. The lines are moving. They're moving hot, but I don't know if they're moving in a way that helps us yet. Uh, we'll figure all that out. But to get started, John, like you said, the greatest fighter in the world. Um, I know some listeners out there will disagree for other reasons, but we got to start the show off talking about John Bones Jones. The next logical challenger for him is Tiago Santos. Jones is the biggest betting favorite on the card at minus 650, the comeback on Santos, plus 475 odds to finish are minus 435 on this one so we got a five round fight uh probably not going to go all five rounds here and then the DraftKings salaries of course jones 9600 i believe that makes him the most expensive on the card santos 6600 so effectively he's the cheapest on the card um i want to get your thoughts on this fight how it's going to play out Let's try and get, uh, let's do, I, I mean, we're not going to disagree with who we're picking here, but let's, uh, let's think about this from like a fantasy standpoint and whether or not Jones can hit that value at that $9,600 price tag. Well, you know, we always talk about, it. it's always dangerous to use a fighter with such a high price tag because, you know, unless they pay off big time and, you know, even they could get hurt, you know, they could take a wrong step and blow out a knee, you know, there's a million different things that could happen. And then essentially, cause you have somebody so expensive in your lineup, you're shot. 
you can't mm-hmm. do anything else the rest of the way. Um, that's why I believe it or a not, lot of, lot of yeah, that's here. why we always oh, advocate yeah. making multiple lineups. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Jones actually, believe it or not, as hard as it is to believe, um, looks better than ever. You know, obviously he's, he's had his problems away from the cage. You know, the running, you know, the, the car accident, and uh, you know, the uh, performance enhancing drug allegation. You know, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But when the guy gets inside the cage and makes it to fight night, he is still the best fighter in the world. Um, it's coming off a thrashing is the only word I could think of of Anthony Smith uh, mm-hmm. in March. Uh, the fight ended up going the distance. Smith somehow lasted 25 minutes, which was terrifying considering the damage he absorbed. But um, Jones dominated that thing from start to finish. Uh, was never in doubt. Uh, prior to that, knocked out Alexander Gustafson. Prior to that, easily took care of Daniel Cormier. You know, we we know Jones's record. Um, he's pretty much at the point where you're gonna you got to pick him to win. You know, maybe this changes if for some reason one day he moves up to heavyweight and faces Francis Ngannou or something insane or whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, until then, Ooh, as long like, as he's a light, as long as he's a light heavyweight, you're yeah. picking him, picking him against anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, Ninety six hundred's a lot, and I will say this: you know, obviously neither of us are going to pick Santos to win outright. But the only way I think anybody is going to beat Jones, at least at light heavyweight, is you're going to have to knock him out. And if you're not going to knock him out, you know, with one punch, you know, it's going to have to be that one big shot that leads to a combination that ends the fight. You're not going to outpoint Jones over 25 minutes. The closest guy to ever do it was the first fight with Alexander Gustafson. Um, you know, that was one I'd have to watch again. I watched it a bunch of times, but essentially could have gone either way. And then the two stepped back into the cage last December and Jones just dismantled him. You know, so that just proves how great he is. But um, the one thing Santos has going for him is that he has a ton of power. He doesn't have he doesn't bring very much else to the table, but the power is legitimate. He has 21 career wins, 15 of the 21 are by knockout. So, you know, if he's going to win, that's how it's going to come. He's won four fights in a row. The last three, Jan Blakovich, Jimmy Manuel, Eric Anders, all via knockout. And Santos's power has the Santos has the kind of power where he could be losing a fight, you know, and like on his way to dropping something against the you know dropping a, a judge's decision, mm-hmm. and he has that kind of power to turn a fight in an instant. He just needs to land one shot. The problem for him is going to be Jones isn't going to be there to land these shots on like some of these other guys have been. Mm-hmm. He's too big. You've got He's got an 8-inch reach differential here between the two. Jones 84, Santos 76. That's nothing new, but it's going to be tougher to close the distance. It's going to be extremely tough to close the distance, and Jones knows that. He knows he's going to have a massive edge um, you know, wherever this fight goes, and he knows he should be fine as long as he avoids a knockout. And, you know, obviously Jones has a good chin. We have seen Jones get hit. Mm-hmm. Um, Gustafson up- and DC, they've been showing yeah. both of those fights on ESPN a lot this week, running it back, trying to do some help. Great chin. Yeah. You know, he, 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 Jones has been hit before and, um, he always survives it. So, you know, it's not like he doesn't have a chin, but you know, this is, it's, it's be a tough matchup for anyone. This is a tough matchup for Santos. Um, I think the odds of him seeing the final bell aren't great. And the main reason I think that is Santos knows the only way he's going to win is to knock Jones out. In order to do that, he's got to get in tight, like we mentioned, and get within punching range. Yep. And that just leaves, you know, all kinds of opportunity for Jones to do different things. He can kick him, he can punch him, he can take him down, he can submit him. You know, he can do a hundred different things. Mm-hmm. So um, when it's when all said and done, um, you know, I don't think a one-dimensional power puncher like Santos is the kind of guy who's going to beat Jones. You know, I thought the guy who be who would be be able to beat Jones is someone like Gustafson, who was built similarly, somebody who can stand away from his opponent and kick them while you know he can't kick you. That's not really Santos's game. But you know, if you're making you know twenty lineups, twenty five lineups, which some people do, and you really have a bunch of you know guys you want to get in there, um, if you put Santos in there, you're essentially just praying for a knockout. It's it's exactly. just. It's too risky for me. Yeah. Well, the thing with this card is there's so many high-priced favorites here. You know, I'm counting a ton of guys. What do we got? Like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven guys that are $9,000 or over on DraftKings? It's the opposite of the last pay-per-view. The last pay-per-view we were talking about, every card, nobody seemed to be more than, you know, minus 125, minus 150 Mm -hmm. in Vegas odds. This card is the absolute opposite. 
Yeah, I mean the yeah the biggest underdog or the the smallest underdog I should say is about plus one eighty the way I'm looking at it uh, minus two twenty is like for the Rockhold Blakovich fight which we'll get to in a second here but uh, but yeah so the thing with that is uh, I could see I mean you digest, I mean if you want to win the hundred grand you want to win the throwdown you want to win you know whatever GPP um, you know you're probably uh, you're not you're not going to want to leave too much money on the table here, and you're not going to want to punt a roster spot. That's the other thing that, that's big. So I could see Santos. You know, if you think he can make it a couple rounds, maybe find a way to get fifteen, twenty. 30 strikes landed in there and get you some points then it's a punt spot and maybe there's a route to go for that in the cash game but for me out of a hundred lineups man i'm using you know if i'm going to enter their 150 mini max I, you know i think i'd probably use santos in in 10 or less I, I don't see it happening you know jones has that big measurement advantage um and like he does against everybody but he's going to be able to keep santos at bay he's going to be able to work his the sidekick game is one area where i see him see him continue to grow from fight to fight and you know in addition to his physical advantages he's going to use those uh spinning back kicks and front leg side kicks to keep santos at bay and that's just going to continue throughout the whole fight and i think once we get into the second or third round uh we're going to see jones take him down and then he's going to pound him out and he's going to pound him out with elbows too and it's not going to look pretty uh that's how i see this one going um 9600 is quite a bit to pay for him um to get 12x and i know uh you know some of the colleagues in the industry put 12x as your uh your target value uh, in GPPs for MMA on DraftKings. To get 12x, Jones has to get 115.2 points, which means either a first-round stoppage that includes a knockdown or two knockdowns and some strikes or um, a second- or third-round stoppage where he just lays and pours the volume on it would have to be a situation where he gets takedowns throws a bunch of ground and pound but the ref lets santos hang around or he defends himself just enough i think 115 is realistic for him i would almost rather go with bones at 9600 than someone like shabazin at uh at 9500 because i I feel more confident in the stoppage i think the betting odds are right bones at minus 650 is the biggest favorite on the card Uh, so i guess before we move on to the next fight i'm going to throw this one at you john uh you're making 100 DraftKings lineups you're going to mass enter a GPP here. Uh, what number of those lineups are you using Santos in? I would say less than 10%. But mm-hmm. but the other thing I would say is, you know, if you're one of those people who's, you know, trying to win that hundred grand or whatever, um, you know, the big, big money, mm-hmm. the winner of that is going to, you know, probably multiple people have the same lineup. But the people who win that are going to be the ones who take a risk and the risk pays off. You know, there exactly. are going to be people who put Santos in their lineup thinking that, and you know, the odds of him, you know, getting enough points and, or actually winning or whatever is really, really small in which case you wasted your money. But you know, if you're really trying, you know, to roll the dice and, you know, make some bank, you know, that's the risk you got to take. You can't just stack your lineup with a bunch of favorites, one for salary reasons, but also because, you know, that's what the, you know, average fan is going to do. And then, you know, no one's going to win anything because that's not going to be the combination, you know, that you're looking for. Yeah, exactly. If Santos shocks the world and gets an early knockout and ends up with, you know, 16 to 18 X on DraftKings, I can guarantee you he'll be in that $100,000 winner if it is one person. I hope it's one person that wins it. I don't want to see it split 20 ways. I want to see one person make a hundred grand on MMA DFS come Saturday. That would make my night. Of course, even if it's not me, I'll have a piece of that, but I'm definitely don't quite have the bankroll to enter that one a hundred times. So there you have it pretty self-explanatory take on jones i think he has a decent chance to hit 12x gonna have heavy exposure to him if you're making only a couple lineups i'd still advise some kind of exposure to him but there's two title fights on this card john we got a second one that we want to get into the odds are a little more narrow on this one but it's still overwhelming one way this is the women's bantamweight title fight amanda nunez is defending her belt against holly holm both fighters that uh you know casual and hardcore fans of the like should be familiar with at this point nunez is 9100 on DraftKings. holly holm 7100 another big discrepancy there and of course that goes along with the betting odds Nunes minus 380 home plus 315 one thing that surprised me here was the odds to finish on this fight being minus 160. I think uh, Vegas and and fans alike have seen the way that Nunes has been uh, really pummeling her opponents of late and think maybe that she can keep that pace up too. I mean, the lady knocked out Cyborg, so she can pretty much knock out anyone on the planet. 160 uh, is one of the higher marks I've seen for a ladies' fight of late. Uh, John, I think we're going to have the same pick in this one too, but uh, I guess, again, from a DFS perspective, 9100 is a little bit more of a reasonable 
level of salary. Uh, can she get over 100 points, and, and what would your exposure look like? I definitely think she can. Um, I really don't see – I understand there's not – I mean in the women, the women's three divisions, the featherweight division especially, um, there's not a lot of options at the top and not a lot of title fights you know, to put together. Um, like we were talking about earlier, you know, the fight week uh, pay-per-view is always big. They try to stack it with title fights. They try to stack it with names that casual fans know. Um, you know, because in the convention and all that stuff they have out there is, you know, almost as big as the event itself. Um, I mean, but look, we're talking Hall of Fame. We're talking. Yeah, doing it's everything all that. It's all PI, that stuff. Like, yeah. You know, for, uh, you know, pro wrestling fans, it's like WrestleMania weekend. You know, they have all the conventions and, you know, all the meet and greets and, you know, all that stuff. Um, but it, it's just it's hard to sell to me home getting a title fight when she's two and four in her last six fights. You know, she's she hasn't been beating the doors off anybody. It's not like, you know, she's deserving of the chance. Sure, she's coming off a unanimous decision win over Megan Anderson, but Megan Anderson just got whooped by debuting Felicia Spencer in May. And that so, was not a close fight by no, any means. Not at all. And so, you know, and on top of everything else, you know, even if you say, okay, you know, they decide to go with home, you know, for those reasons, she's, you know, a well-known fighter and all that stuff. Then you get into breaking down the fight itself, and it looks even worse for Holm. She's thirty. She's going to be thirty-eight years old in October, um, and I mean, regular readers and regular listeners, you know, to us know, you know, I've always thought Holm was overrated. I, you know, I thought she made a living, which she essentially has, off her knockout of Ronda Rousey. You know, it changed Rousey's career and her career path, but since that Rousey win, she's two and four. You know, in what you know, in what world is that solid? Mm -hmm. um, and the problem for home is going to be, as we all know, the rest of her game has gotten better, but she's still a kickboxer. You know, when when it comes down and push comes to shove, that's her strength. She's going to keep her distance. She is. Um, you know, her takedown defense is probably better than you know she gets credit for, and you know she's obviously been working on that. But she's going to be going toe to toe, punch for punch. With a woman, like you mentioned, who just knocked out Cyborg like it was nothing. You know, not only did Nunes knock out Cyborg, that fight could have ended a good 30 seconds earlier had Cyborg not taken a half dozen monster shots and survived. You know, Nunes is, you know, she's totally won me over. I always knew she was good, but she's, you know, she's one of the top five or six or seven pound for pound fighters in the world at this point. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're talking um, about potential greatest female fighter of all time here. That's, if it's not cemented already, she's pretty dang close in the discussion. She certainly is. And like you mentioned, the minus 160, uh, well, I'm sorry, minus 210s, odd, 210, minus 210 odds to finish mm -hmm. is a really, really high number for a women's fight. Um, but after you saw what Nunez did to Cyborg, how can you doubt her? You know, you know how you, you can't go against that anymore. Yeah. Um, I have no, I have virtually no interest in home as an underdog here. Um, on top of everything else, she has, she really has limited finishing power in her hands. Mm -hmm. You know, she doesn't have that one punch knockout. Sure. She knocked out Rousey, but that was a head kick more than it was anything else. That wasn't punches and boxing. And she knocked out Betch Cohea, who's you know was closer to being released than getting back into the title picture again. Mm -hmm. So I I I just I have no interest in Holm as an underdog. Mm -hmm. Holm is giving up so much power to Nunez. She's going to have to land two or three or four punches for everyone Nunez lands, you know, in order to make up that to difference. Do a similar amount of damage. And okay. um, I, you know, I'm not buying that at all. All right, I got you here. So are you saying that uh, if you're picking underdogs, you'd rather take a shot at Santos at 6,600 than Holm at 7,100? Yes, yes, I would, because I Santos has the ability to end a fight in an instant. And then I could spend that extra five hundred dollars somewhere else. Exactly. At least you got that one punch knockout power quite a bit more there. Um, yeah. So John, I'm with you here. I, I think Nunes is the better fighter. Um, I think uh, Holmes' best asset is her striking and her kickboxing. And although maybe Nunes might not be as technical, she packs way more power in the punch here. So there's a better chance she gets a uh, finish. But I think because of Holmes' striking background here, um, I think she's going to be able to, for a while, I mean, maybe not the entirety of a 25-minute fight. That's a, di that's a different 
different story here. But I think she might be able to at least avoid the power shots. I don't know if she's going to outpoint her over a full 25 minutes. In fact, I'm pretty confident she's not. But, uh, you know, if I'm picking fights along with an outcome, I think I'd go Nunez by decision here um, just because Holmes, actually, she's never been knocked out. She only absorbs 2.8 significant strikes per minute. So if this fight goes uh, a full 25 minutes, you know, keeping up that rate, obviously Nunez is a step above in competition, but keeping up that rate, that would be 70 significant strikes for Nunez in a 25-minute fight and throw that on a decision bonus and we've got 65 fantasy points in a decision. So I'm not sure... Well, while I like Nunez, I'm going to be probably below the field with her on DraftKings because I don't think that she can hit. I mean, 10x even is, is going to be a uh, a real difficult score to put up without a finish. I don't necessarily see her going for takedowns in this fight either. I think this will be kind of a fan-friendly fight. Um, she could try takedowns. Holmes' defense is 78% pretty decent um and you know anytime she spends trying to go for takedowns this time not accumulating strikes which would hurt the fantasy score as well so for me in the end i i I fully expect nunez to win this one i'm pretty confident in that i just she might fit into a couple of my lineups but i'm not super optimistic she gets to 10k uh without a finish and the finish might be tough that's definitely a good point i mean it's just i just think there's so much of a it's after seeing what she was uh, Nunez was able to do to Cyborg, you know, and we didn't think there was really anybody. I I, I mean I picked Cyborg in that fight, and mm-hmm. I was absolutely shocked. Not not only that, not only so much that mm-hmm. Nunez won, but how it happened. You know, she made Cyborg look completely inferior, and if she's doing that to Cyborg, you know, I can't imagine what she what she mm-hmm. at least what she has the potential to do to exactly. home. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So uh, part of my thinking with that is like uh, Cyborg's never been touched like that by anybody. Ever. So maybe, maybe, just maybe Cyborg was like a little bit overconfident heading into that fight. She um, she didn't think that anyone could touch her like that. And then when she got touched like that, it didn't, I mean, nobody, she didn't know how to handle it, what to do. She just kind of kept up, pressed forward, and then she got smoked again and put out here. I think Holm's going to be a little bit more prepared. She'll have more respect for the power of Nunez is what I'm saying. And I think she might be able to avoid the knockout in this one, though. Obviously, if Nunez gets that knockout, she's getting 10, 12x, and it's right on your way to hopefully that 100K. Yeah, she'll definitely. I definitely think Holm will go about it in a more strategic way than uh, than Cyborg did. Cyborg went in, um, you know, and went hardcore punch for punch with Nunez, and she obviously came up on the short end. Um, I definitely think Holm will be more technical, take her time, and you know that alone, you know, should keep her around probably longer than Cyborg lasted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got you. All right, so that's going to cover it for the two title fights on the card. We've got three more uh, very exciting fights to discuss that I can't wait to get into a little bit. But first, John, you know, we talk about DraftKings a ton on here, but if you're if spending countless hours on lineup construction really isn't for you, you spend a bunch of time, you only come up short. I do have an alternative for our listeners out there. This is a new one I was just exposed to recently and I love it. That's called prizepicks.com. Our friends over at PrizePicks have created the most simple and fast daily fantasy game. All you have to do is choose the over or under correctly on a player's fantasy point projections to win. No competing against the thousands of pros while trying to meet a salary cap with prize picks it's just you versus the projections now here's the coolest thing about prize picks uh from checking out the site that i saw they have new boards of selections up every day covering mma fighters as well as players from mlb nba pga nhl nfl and ncaa football when those two sports arrive uh they're also the first dfs site to allow you to make cross sport entries so you can go the under on john jones fantasy points while taking brooks kepka on the over at the 3m classic this week or you want to take you want to take the over on Nunez or the over on home and pair that with uh, the under on the Mets game this weekend. Uh, that's all there. Price picks is daily fantasy simplified. Uh, now, if you want to sign up and uh, to get a free entry plus a twenty five percent deposit match, you can visit RotoWire.com slash Price Picks to get your account set up there. You can also use the promo code Wire. That's W I R E when you download the Price Picks app. So, uh, really cool site. Hope you guys uh, check it out. And and uh, I guess we'll go on to the fights here. Want to get to a welterweight matchup here. This is one that um, our staff picks are pretty conflicted on. Can't wait to break this one down with you. We've got Jorge Gamebred Masvidal against Ben Funky Askren. Uh, Masvidal is the underdog at plus 180. Askren's a minus 220 favorite. Askren carries an $8,700 DraftKings salary with him. Masvidal 7500 the odds to finish on this one it's the only plus odds to finish on the pay-per-view card it is plus 115 uh john how do you see this one going down and and ultimately who do you got 
So I ended up taking Masvidal in this one. And, you know, I admit that, like we talked about earlier, this is a card that has does not have many fights where it's a pick em or really even close to that. So um, there weren't a ton of or really any underdogs that I liked on virtually the entire card. And, um, you know, I thought I could make a better case for Masvidal winning than virtually all the other underdogs. So I ended up taking him. Um, it's interesting. Uh, like Ben Askren made his UFC debut recently. In trouble immediately to the point where he looked like he'd be finished within the first, you know, 40 or 50 seconds of the fight. Um, Askren somehow survived um, and ended up submitting Lawler just over three minutes in. Um, it was controversial. It looked like Lawler didn't submit and referee Herb Dean made a rare mistake. Um, Lawler handed it with class as he always does. Okay, I, I got to cut in on that because if you heard Herb Dean defend it on Joe Rogan, he thought that he had a neck crank and he had seen somebody on the region. I mean, you can take this defense with what you will, but he had seen someone on the regional sur- uh, circuits suffer a serious spinal injury because of the neck crank in that direction. So he had thought that uh, maybe it was out and he felt the need to stop the fight. So from that context, it makes a little more sense, but I can definitely see the Robbie Lawler fans out there having a gripe with that stoppage. Um, so so that's why it was. I, I don't know if I'd go as far enough to call it a mistake, but it was definitely uh, it was kind of one of those things where it's better safe than sorry. It definitely is. I mean, and you know, the bottom line is Lawler had Askren beat early on and didn't finish the fight. Exactly. So he, he could be upset all day long about the stoppage. But the bottom line, and you know, Robbie said this too, the bottom line is that he had Askren beat and he wasn't able to finish the job. Um, you know, Askren's story is well known. Uh, it looked for a long, long time like he'd never be in the UFC, never really got along with Dana White, um, spent almost as, you know, a little time in Bellator. It really made his name in one FC over in uh, in Asia, and then uh, came over to the UFC and was essentially the trade for Demetrius Johnson. Really, um, look, Lol, uh, Askren's entire game is built around his wrestling. Um, every fight he's in is his opponent. It comes down to their takedown defense. So, um, you know, Masvidal winning this fight is contingent on him staying off of his back because it's only a three-round fight. It's only 15 minutes, and Askren has the kind of top game ability to keep a guy planted for the remainder of the round if he gets you there. Um, Masvidal's takedown defense is good. It's 77%, which is above average. But, you know, we usually say, you know, average is probably somewhere around, you know, 65, 70, somewhere in there. Um, If you're up over 75, you're in good shape. Um, I would, like I mentioned, I would probably take Askren, all things considered. But Masvidal's good, and he's underrated. He's always been underrated. He's been around forever, but he's always been underrated. He's been fighting the best in the world for a long time coming off a very, very impressive knockout win over Darren Till in March in a fight where he just blitzed Till. Um, look, this is going to, like I mentioned, this is going to come down to Mazzaville's takedown defense. If he's able to stay on his feet, he's the much, much better striker. Askren looks uncomfortable to me on the feet, which is not a surprise given his wrestling background. He's a guy who'd much rather roll around on the mat. But, um, you know, Askren has not faced a ton of high-level competition in his career. He's, you know, he's been beating him. You know, he had, he had his fights over in one FC where he was, you know, he was up there at minus 700, minus 800, minus 900 favorites. So now that we're seeing him against, you know, the best in the world in the UFC, we're going to find out how good he really is. And, you know, I obviously I, I wasn't impressed in the Lawler fight. You know, I don't think he could be. The finish was fine, obviously, but he, for all intents and purposes, should have lost. And he should have lost quickly. So, you know, I, like I said, I'll, I would probably take Askren, all things considered, but there are not a lot of underdogs I like on this card. And, you know, I certainly think Ma- you can make a better case for Masvidal pulling the upset than most anyone else. Yeah, yeah, right on. So uh, this one, I, I've got a couple upsets later in the card, but I couldn't quite pull the trigger on this one. And I definitely undersee, I, I, I understand where you're coming from with Masvidal here. Masvidal's got a lot of power in his hands. Um, and of course, that Tilwin was very impressive. He could just as easily catch Askren with a couple of strikes in the same way Lawler did. But uh, I mean, both these guys have killer instincts, but uh, who knows? Maybe Masvidal could finish the job and that would be his path to victory. But in my notes here, what I did have is a, we discussed the uh, 77 
11% takedown defense for Masvidal. It's above average, but I do want to take that in a proper context. He's definitely never faced anyone that's as good of a pure wrestler as Askren. I think we can um, we can put that and say, say that statement uh, with pretty factually i'm confident in that so uh askren will be the best wrestler he's faced and i looked at i tried to look for like good wrestlers or good takedown artists that have faced masvidal um and i saw damian maya took him down four times michael chiesa took him down twice and i obviously Maya's an exceptional jujitsu guy both Maya and chiesa are but askren is a pure wrestling guy and i think as long as he doesn't get caught earlier, as long as he doesn't get caught coming in, he's going to take him down, and he's, it's going to be a, a Khabib-style fight from there on out. I don't think Askren will finish him, so I've got my doubts on his his uh, value as a DraftKings play, but I'm going to take Askren to win, and I feel pretty good about this one. It's look. It's one of those things where, uh, given Askren's body of work, I certainly think he deserves to be the favorite. Um, and you're right. There are concerns because Mazudol has been taken down. You know, you mentioned Damian Maya. You know, everybody gets taken down by him. But there are lesser guys who have taken Mazudol than that. Darren Till got him once. Ross Pearson, who's not known as a grappler at all, got him twice. Once for Lorenz Larkin. Once for Cesar Vajaya, Benson Henderson got him three times. You know, Darren Crookshank got him twice. Pat Healy got him twice. You know, he has mm-hmm. spent, he has been, he has gone to the mat. So, and the other thing about Askren is, Askren, we, and we talk about this all the time too, Askren is one of those guys where if he fails on the first takedown, it's kind of like Habib in that sense. Mm-hmm. He might fail on the first takedown and the second takedown attempt, but the third and the fourth and the fifth one are still coming. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of guys in this sport who fail on the first couple and just totally get away from it. You know, they don't go yeah. back with the rest of the fight. And you can't do that when that's your biggest strength. Yeah, it's that wrestler again in him. You see so many guys get somebody up against the fence, and they're really close to getting it, but they can't quite finish the job. Askren's got that explosion where he'll lift you up, and he will find a way to finish that job. He knows exactly when to time, you know, kind of like the twitch muscle, I guess, or, you know, or... I don't know the best way to describe it, but he knows exactly when to time that short, brief power explosion, and he'll find a way to get you on your back. And at that point, I'm not confident in Masvidal being able to get up to his feet, and I've got Askren by decision in this round here. Um, so maybe on the other ends of that, but I think we can both agree that uh, you know if, if it weren't for salaries or weren't for odds or if we didn't have any kind of incentive to pick an upset, maybe we'd lean towards Askren, but on a fight with not many close fights and this being one of the closer ones, period, um, I could very much see Masvidal at 7500 as a decent DraftKings play because if he wins I think it's via stoppage so that makes a uh, that makes a pretty compelling DFS case um let's move on though I got another light heavyweight fight on the docket here it is the return of Luke Rockhold he's taking on Jan Blakovich uh Rockhold 8400 Blakovich is uh, coming back at 7800 uh, there's been a lot of movement on this one when I first kind of posted the article early on in the week i was looking at rockhold minus 170 blakovich plus 145 but right before the show i went through and i updated the odds and the odds to finish right now rockhold's a minus 230 favorite blakovich is down to uh, plus 190 and the odds to finish on this are minus 160 uh we need to note that Luke Rockhold's moving up a weight class from middleweight to light heavyweight. He's always had rough weight cuts at 185. Maybe this will help. Maybe this will hurt. We will see. And um, it's also worth noting that it's been a pretty long layoff for Luke Rockhold. I don't have the exact. I mean, it's something like 15, 16 months, something along those yeah, lines. It's February so, 2018. So, yeah. yeah, about that. All right. So, I mean, how do you see this one playing off? Do, you, do we see the classic Luke Rockhold, or do you think maybe he's lost the step with the time off? I mean, I, I tend to give Rockhold the benefit of the doubt, but the, there are definitely concerns here. The time off is one, like 15 or 16 months, like you mentioned. Um, and it's not like Rockhold's a kid. He'll turn 35 years old in October. So, um, you know, at, when you're you know getting into your, your mid to late 30s, and obviously you're not Cowboy Cerrone who fights every three months, taking 15, 16. And as far as we know, Rockhold hasn't been hurt at all during that time. Um, he's been healthy. Actually, I shouldn't say that. He well, he has been healthy during that time. He he moved up to light heavyweight yeah. because he was the tall on. He was just having a hard time. You know, he's a big guy. He was a massive middleweight. So, um, it, you know, his he just felt he could keep his body healthy, um, more healthy at a, at a, at two hundred five pounds compared to one hundred eighty five pounds. I try not to pick people competing in a new weight class if I can help it, um, for a variety of reasons. You just don't know what you're going to get. Um, you know, I try and stay away from guys who have been on the sidelines for such a long period of time because you don't know what you're going to get there either um i'm still taking rockhold to win this fight um 
One thing I will say about Jan Bukovic is he is better than I thought he was. There was a time where I was convinced that Bukovic was really nothing more than like the lowest end roster death. Mm-hmm. Put it this way. From April 2015 to April 2017, uh, he was one in four. There was a time – during that time period, there was a very, very good case to make that Bukovic should have been released. Um he just, you know, he lost to Jimmy Manoa, who, you know, nowadays, you know, doesn't look that great. Uh, pretty sure he's Pat- retired or close to it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he did retire. He lost to Patrick Cummins, who has, you know, obviously been a disaster train wreck since his UFC debut. You know, there are some bad losses in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but he turned it around. He's 4-1 in his last uh, last five fights. The only loss in that span was to San- Tiago Santos, who's fighting John Jones, who, you know, who can knock at anybody, you know, getting knocked out by him. You know, there's no shame in that. Um Bukovic is kind of like I, he's what I call a sleepy fighter. Um, you know, there's not a lot of action there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he, he, he's not he's not he doesn't win with volume. Um, you know, he's not a great athlete. Um, you know, he takes more of like a calculating and methodical style. And, you know, I think given Rockhold's kickboxing experience, I would think that would favor Luke in a major way. If he could sit back and he can take his time picking Bukovic apart, um, I think he's going to win. Um, again, there are reasons to be concerned. Um, you know, he has a new weight class, long time off, and uh, I would say the odds, you know, the chances of this going the distance are considerably better than the Vegas odds would lead you to believe. Mm-hmm. I could definitely see this going the distance. Yeah. But uh, put it this way, even though he is in a new weight class, I would think the new weight class would benefit Rockhold. So mm-hmm. if he can't win this fight, um, I'm going to be concerned. Mm-hmm. Put it that way. Yeah. So uh, so here's my side of this. I didn't want to be the guy to pick all favorites on the main card. And, and I, maybe I was between Masvidal and Rock, or, and, and Blakovich as to who to pick more. But I ended up landing, landing on Blakovich. And I'll give you a few of the reasons why I went to do that. I'm going to put him up there in staff picks. So I'm not going back and forth. Uh, one of them, you know, you make a good point that the weight cut that a, a less severe weight cut could certainly be uh, uh, an advantage. But, you know, Rockhold enjoyed pretty hefty height and reach advantages over most middleweights. And now he's an inch taller than Blakovich, but he gives up an inch in reach to Blakovich. So I don't think he's going to be able to just sit at a distance and score points that way. Um, though that could be one path to victory uh, if, if he's uh, hunting for the decision here. And um, while we were talking about the, the Rockhold injury history, there were a couple of issues here that I, that I, that I wanted to look up. You know, we track all these on Rotowire uh, with our breaking news team. He was supposed to fight Chris Weidman in October of 2018. He ended up pulling out of that fight due to an undisclosed injury, later revealed to be a leg injury, something that he had been, uh, that he had been um, you know, kind of alluding to for a while now. He underwent knee surgery in March of 2019, and now it is, you know, he, of course, they describe, him and his camp described the whole procedure is minor and now he's fighting here on july 6th so there's a little bit of an injury history coming off that um so okay so we got one strike the the, the move up in weight class that advantage is erased we got two strikes we got an injury history uh you know you could have three strikes here with the uh with a really long layoff i guess that goes hand in hand with the injury history so i don't really count that and then i'm going to take the middleweight fights of late for luke rockhold he hasn't had a quality win for quite a while, in my opinion. He got knocked out by Yoel Romero. Uh, no harm there. I mean, that fight didn't seem that close to me. Uh, he beat David Branch. He knocked him out. He made him submit to punches in the second round. I mean, David Branch, I respect the guy, absolutely, but he's closer to being done with professional Branch, fighting. Branch was winning that fight, too. Yeah, Branch was winning that fight, and Branch is closer to being done with professional fighting entirely than he is uh, getting back in the title conversation. Like, although, I guess you never really know at 205 pounds. And then, of course, before that, Luke Rockle was uh, knocked out uh, by Michael Bisping in June of 2016. So I have to go all the way back to December 12, 2015 against Chris Weidman when he when Rockhold got the fourth round TKO. It was an awesome fight. It was on the Aldo McGregor card. Um, excellent fights. So if I go all the way back to 2015 here, uh, you know, I'm talking four uh, three and a half years, I guess, let's say, since the last time uh, I was I was really, really, truly impressed by a, a Rockhold performance here. Um, I don't know. That gives me a little bit of hesitancy. Now, he's 34, should have should theoretically have some prime years left in him. I mean, American Kickboxing Academy product, he's got the right camp, he's got the right experience, he's been fighting in big fights. There's a lot going in his favor, um, but for me, this is one 
where I'm going to try to save some salary, clear up a little bit of salary for the favorites, and go ahead and put Jan Blakovich in my lineup. And I think I'm going to pick him to win because, uh, yeah, Blako- this is Blakovich's natural division. He's been fighting you know, pretty decent contenders for a while. And, uh, you know, if you, you talk about a sleepy guy, there's ever a time for this guy to wake up. It's International Fight Week uh, on the biggest card. I mean, people are going to be tuned in for this fight like crazy because of what's coming up after him. Uh, I guess I'm going to go Blakovich in this one. And, you know, it actually, you brought up a really good point. Um, Rockhold was probably losing the Weidman fight too until Weidman went for that crazy spinning shot and put himself in a bad position. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you take, you know, so if he, he's two and two in his last four fights, but if you take into account that he looked pretty lousy in the branch fight and the Weidman fight before he, you know, he mm-hmm. got the stoppage, you're talking, you know, over four years, uh, since, you know, a really, really strong performance. Mm-hmm. He submitted Lyoto Machida in 20, April 2015 in, in, in Newark in a fight I was at. Uh, he blew the doors off Machida that night. But you're right. It's been a long time since Rockhold has had a really, really, you know, noteworthy performance in the sense that, oh, wow, he just ran over that guy. You know, we haven't seen that. And, you know, if this new weight class, and he, he should be healthy, you know, you have 16, 17 months on the sidelines. If you're not healthy mm-hmm. now, you're never going to be healthy again. I so, mean, knee surgery in we'll March, you know, <laughs> minor procedure. I'm doing my air quotes it's always, over You here. know, it's o- it's always minor. Yes, so. always, always is minor. Yeah, and I mean, I'm not in the gym with him. I'm not seeing him, seeing how he looks. I'm sitting here in an office in Madison, Wisconsin, and I'm trying to make an educated guess based on all the facts that we know. And one fact I do know is there just ain't a whole heck of a lot of dogs here that interest me on this card. No. I'll throw out some options in the later part of the show, but um, yeah, I'm not I'm not super heavy on Rockhold. Maybe that doesn't that's not enough to make my exposure to Blakovich crazy high, but I'm definitely going to have pretty low exposure on Rockhold. And uh, you know, I was talking this over earlier in the week with Chris Olson. He's one of the guys that does fight iq that's every friday at 8 eastern on the rotowire youtube channel and um he brought it up in an interesting way that he thought a lot of people were going to have my kind of view of rock cold maybe thinking he's just a tad bit overrated of late and could be a little bit overmatched in the new division so what he called it what chris called it was potentially getting scarcity on the favorites he thinks that luke Rockhold will be one of the lesser owned favorites on the card and that for that reason uh, you will be able, if you get him and he gets a knockout like some people think we he will. I mean the minus one sixty odds to finish here. If you get him at a low ownership percentage and he cashes in, that's part of your pathway to winning a hundred grand on Saturday night. So I, I guess there's that angle too. Um, but I, you know I'm not going to buy into that entirely because I I, I don't think he's going to win. I, I have confidence in Blakovich here, and um, I'm going to go that direction on DraftKings. Yeah, I'm actually looking forward to this fight. You know, the more I think about it. Um, I actually got a little more into this fight than I was. It took a little while when it was originally announced. I didn't really think all that highly of it, especially considering some of the other fights on the card. But, you know, maybe it's the lack of depth at light heavyweight. You know, that that's why I've gotten a little more into it. But, you know, if the winner here, especially, I mean, really, I guess either way, if it's Bukovic, you know, he's going to fly up the rankings because he has a win over a former UFC champion on his belt. And, uh, you know, if Rockhold wins, you know, he's a well-known name and, and marketable. So, you know, they're going to push him hard and heavy. So, mm-hmm. you know, the winner of this fight could be, you know, not if not in the title picture immediately, mm-hmm. certainly knocking on the door within short order. Yeah, at first I was having a tough time trying to think like, okay, why would Rockhold take this fight? He's not it's not really a a super big name, but then I thought, okay, it's the International Fight Week card. Should anything happen in the main event? I mean, Technically, it would make more sense for the UFC to go to Blakovich, someone who's been in the division and has a better record of late. But they should wouldn't, anything, though. yeah, but they wouldn't because Rockhold has the better name. Um, I, I guess it, I, some of that's up to the commission. So maybe Rockhold saw an opportunity there, and maybe Rockhold uh, thinks that this is a winnable fight. I don't think he'd take a fight that he thinks is particularly challenging. He's trying to just get a win, so he has a case for that title shot in a shallow division. So between his management team's judgment and where the line is moving, I mean, geez, he's gotten a lot of money coming in his way those are my two biggest words of caution but i still think i'm going to go blakovich and i'm going to stick with it here um there is one more pay-per-view fight we got to hit before we'll start talking about some fantasy specific stuff uh michael chiesa diego sanchez um 
man, these Diego Sanchez has been around forever. We know that at this point. Most fans, you know, hardcore, casual, whatever you are, um, you definitely know what Diego Sanchez is about. That's getting in brawls here. Let's get the numbers. Sanchez, 7,000 on DraftKings, so pretty big underdog. Basically, Holly Holm. Uh, Chase, a 9,200 on DraftKings. Chase is a minus 335 favorite. Uh, the comeback on Sanchez is plus 275. The odds to finish, I was a little surprised with how reckless Sanchez can be sometimes, but the odds to finish on this are minus 135. Who you got in this one, John? You know, I'm taking Chiesa if only because it's really hard to win a fight, especially nowadays at his advanced age. It's really hard to win a fight against anybody halfway decent mm-hmm. when you're as aggressive as Diego Sanchez is. Now, we got to keep in mind, you know, that's what's made him a fan favorite. That's why he's still in the company. You know, every guy from, you know, first season of The Ultimate Fighter is still going, you know, all these years later. The ultimate fight in the first season took place in 2004. We're talking almost 15 years later. The guy's still with the company. So, you know, that's why he's a fan favorite. But, you know, when push comes to shove, it's really, really difficult to be better talented fighters when you pay no attention to defense. And Diego's not going to change. He openly admits he's not going to change. He fights for the fans. He fights to entertain anybody. He fights because he's a warrior, whatever he wants to say. Um, and, what you know, the chips will fall where they may. Um, I'm not crazy about Kiesa long term. Um, if for no other reason, then yeah. I'm a really big believer. And sooner or later, you got to threat your oppos- threaten your opposition on the feet. Absolutely. And I, when I was writing up the preview article for this and I was doing some research, I could not believe this stat when I saw it. Michael Chiesa does not have a knockout win in his career. 19 pro fights. This isn't not just ex- UFC. This is no. in ever. Total. And, you know, obviously, you know, we know he's, a, you know, his strength is his submission game. Mm-hmm. Heck, the guy's six foot one. He's in, you know, he's fighting at 155 pounds. Yeah. Both so, these guys are former uh, lightweights yeah. that are have either for this fight or recently moved up to welterweight. Yes. So this, this is going this on one at is taking, Yeah, this one is going to take place at 170. But, you know, Kies is really, you know, 100, he's a 155 pounder for the vast majority of his career. Exactly. Um, but sooner, and, you know, I know we all know his strength his submission game, but I could not believe when I saw he does not have a knockout win in his mm-hmm. career. And sooner or later, yeah, I mean, he knocked out James Vick on uh, The Ultimate Fighter, but in, in his official professional career, Kiesa does not have a knockout win. And you have, you have to be able to threaten somebody on the feet sooner or later. Mm-hmm. And look, Diego's coming off a really, really impressive win over Mickey Gall um, in a fight where he was a massive underdog. Um, Smashed Mickey Gall, man. Trushed him. And, you know, I, I, I certainly, I know I took Gall in that fight, and I didn't think it would be close, but... Mm-hmm. Essentially, my point my point to wrap this up on Diego is he's insanely tough. So he's one of those guys who could take all the punishment in the world. You wonder how the heck he's still standing, and then he goes out, you know, and can stop a guy. Mm-hmm. So he has that going for him. But I really just don't think you can accurately predict mm-hmm. when he's going to land enough offense to win a fight. You know, yeah. he certainly has a better chance against Kiesa because Kiesa has never knocked anyone out in his career. Mm-hmm. So, you know, given Diego's durability, you wouldn't think this is going to be the first guy. You know, Kiesa, you wouldn't think Diego's going to be the first guy Michael knocks out. But there's a definite gap mm-hmm. in far as far as mixed martial artist ability. You know, Absolutely. Kiesa has more, has more things going for him. He's the bigger guy. He's certainly the better Matt wrestler. Mm-hmm. But you know, Diego's crazy, and that's not an insult. <laughs> He's proud of that. The guy's yeah. nuts. Yeah, and I mean, he will go in there and make it ugly and do whatever he has to do to win. Exactly, and that could be okay for fantasy. You know, I, I'm with you, John. I'm picking Chiesa straight up in this fight, um, but I do some of the lineup builds that I have. I'm finding myself with a little more exposure to Diego because he's 7,000. Um, I think his reckless style is going to pay off in here because he doesn't have to worry a ton about return fire. Maybe we'll see if we, if I eat my words and Chiesa gets that career first, but I don't think he doesn't have to worry as much about return fire. He, I mean, he'll have to worry about takedown defense, of course, um, but he could get off and maybe he lands. So I think at 7,000, thousand on a card you know we look for high finish probability people like masvidal or maybe not in this particular case but guys that have historically been good at getting finishes and uh, guys that are durable enough if they don't get a finish to go to go three rounds for your underdogs so in that case uh 
Sanchez is a fine play on DraftKings. I couldn't I couldn't fault anybody who wanted to make an argument for Sanchez on DraftKings, but I just think the more complete martial artist and the fact that Sanchez is 37 years old and probably has CTE already, um, those are going to make me pick Chiesa straight up for the staff picks. But underdog value, it's definitely there. Uh, John, don't want to spend too much time on this one, but uh, so I want to move on to underdogs here because this is a very, very difficult card to pick underdogs for. So uh, a couple of them stand out to me. I've got two actually that stand out to me but uh, i'm gonna go ahead and let you uh take yours first and see if we got any in common um all right i'll give you a couple the first one and it's only because i when i looked it up i couldn't believe the difference Mm -hmm. the first one is gilbert melendez i didn't pick him to win but 7200 is not a lot for a guy who for the better part of i don't know 10 years or so give or take has been one of the better lightweights in the world now, Gil just turned 37 years old. He's riding a four-fight losing streak. Against some um, killers. But oh, like. yes. Jeremy Stevens, Edson Barbosa, Eddie Alvarez, and Anthony Pettis. Um, I believe there was a PED suspension in there, too, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that obviously that's something to consider. But And he's facing a really good young fighter in Arnold Allen. But, you know. Melendez, Ficard, 37. Allen's 25. 12-year age yes, gap. Absolutely. And, you know, but in a card – Without a lot of people, you know, a lot, without a lot of underdogs, you have interest in, you know, maybe you look at Melendez for his experience. Um, I'll give you. I have two other quick ones, real quick. Um, Random Marcos at seventy four hundred against Claudia Gadea, who's eighty eight hundred. Um, you know, Claudia is definitely the better mixed martial artist. She's one of the strongest fighters in the division, but she's up and down. There have mm-hmm. been plenty of fights where you thought she would have blown the doors off her competition, and she's either struggled to win. Or flat-out loss. She was terrible against Nina Ansaroff in December in her last mm-hmm. fight. Yeah. A fight where everybody thought Claudia would easily win. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't think Marcos is particularly good. But um, you know, she's coming off a really impressive armbar win over Angela Hill. So again, you know, you're making a bunch of lineups. You're trying to get somebody in there. You know, Maybe you look at Marcos as an underdog at a cheap salary. And uh, the final one I'll give you is um, Alejandro Perez against Yadong Song. Look, I like Perez. You know, he's energetic. He moves pretty well. Um, it's coming off a loss to Cody Stamen, but Cody's really good. Before that, decisioned Eddie Wineland, knocked out Matthew Lopez, decisioned Yuri Alcantara. Decent opponents. Mm-hmm. So again, songs of up and comer, young kid, just 21 years old. You know, potential is through the roof, but hasn't faced much competition. Two UFC fight, three UFC fights. Vince Morales and Felipe Arantes, his last two bouts. Perez has the experience edge. Some, you know, maybe there's something there at 7,700. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, yeah. So I, I picked out two fighters, and one of them was Perez as well. Um, I think this could be, I mean, okay, so Yudong, Team Alpha Male product, he's got a lot, you know, he's a, he's a betting favorite pretty sizably, but I was I was surprised to see him as uh, such a big favorite against Alejandro Perez. So I'm definitely not going to pay up for the Yudong price tag, especially given, uh, given the, uh, I mean, the odds to finish on that fight are um not listed i don't think uh so that's a weird one but anyway uh but but yeah i think uh perez you're right he had he had a good run of opponents lost the decision to stamina um i think he's got just as good a chance as anybody uh that is an underdog to come through on this one and also uh you know last week or last show we did i kind of mentioned the uh fight matrix elo and there are two fighters on uh this card that have a um that have a elo adjusted uh probability to win that is the opposite of the betting odds and one of them is perez and i think it's largely because of the body of work the algorithm the algorithm definitely favors that body of work you can't blame a 21 year old kid for not having a crazy body of work but what he's done so far is he's only done enough to get up to 69 overall on their rankings whereas perez is 23 that's a pretty sizable gap so i can see why that would be i'm not i don't know if he's going to be a huge finisher. I'd be surprised if he gets over 100 points, but in need of underdogs, especially cash games, I'd like Perez in that. The other one was a fight that was recently added to the card. Uh, I know a lot of people uh, like to forget about these fights sometimes because, you know, they're newer people. There's not a whole lot going on, but uh, I was a little bit surprised when I saw uh, the odds for, uh, let me, I hope I say this right, Penny Kianzid against Julia Avila. Um, Avila is the favorite on this one, but you can get Kianzid at a pretty solid price. Let me see if if I can find her on here. Uh, she's 7,600 on DraftKings and the betting odds on that fight. She is, in fact, a, uh, a plus 180 underdog, but that's actually... 
you know, one of the best odds on an underdog you're going to see on this fight. And, um, you know, so Julia Avila, we don't know much about her. She's 5-1 and one as a pro. She lost to Marciela Allen in Invicta. Um, generally, you like to see these prospects come in undefeated, but that's a whole other topic. Uh, Kianza, on the other hand, Swedish uh, fighter, um, lost to Macy Chiasson in the Ultimate Fighter. And that was a fight where... She kind of had Chiasen on the ropes. She was able to. Uh, she was able to. Maybe she didn't have her on the ropes per se, but she was able to pretty much go toe to toe with her in terms of striking. And Chiasen's a pretty highly regarded prospect. But what was most impressive about watching that fight was the scrambling ability. So if I got to pick an upset on this card, I'm going to take Chiasen by submission. I think she's going to be able to scramble. The two are going to find on the mat. And uh, if it happens early, Chiasen will probably be able to pull an arm out of there and maybe get a finish, which could be pretty useful for DraftKings. And uh, maybe she's in the optimal if that can happen. Hey, at the very least, you've got a pretty cheap fighter with a chance uh, to pick a finish here. So uh, we gave you some upsets. I'm not so sure. I could see Marcos upsetting uh, Gedalia just because Gedalia is inconsistent enough. Like, well, are we going to get the uh, Gedalia that had a five round war with uh, you know Joanna, or are we going to get the the uh, Gedalia that lost a, a fight as a pretty big favorite to Ansaroff? And now uh, I'm not quite so sure. I'm on Melendez after the. Um, after the uh, layoff there, uh, but you're right about, about the raw ability there. So definitely a lot to like. We hopefully gave you some options there. Uh, definitely watch a fight if you can. Uh, thank you for listening to us. Hopefully you can pick for yourself. And uh, and um, good luck getting that 100K, man. That's what this whole show, this whole card is all about. So uh, we very much appreciate you listening here. Any final thoughts on the card, John? Uh, you know, just I would say, like we both said earlier, you know, you got to take chances, you know. Just stacking a lot, you know, stacking your lineup with a bunch of fighters that are well known and everything uh, is ultimately probably not the route that's going to win you money. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to have to just take a risk as far as you know, and somebody who might not be as popular, might not be as well known. You know, try and run the salaries, put some combinations together, and mm-hmm. you know, see what you can come up with. And it's that's the reason you know we always advocate making multiple lineups because you know in order to win, you got to pick underdogs and. The more lineups, you know, they're underdogs for a reason. They usually don't win. And the more lineups you can make, the better chance you have of one of those underdogs working out. Yeah, well, I tried to do a thing. Uh, I saw a stat one time where I think 60 favorites only win 67% of the time. So you'll get some underdogs winning on this card. I mean, favorites were, I think they were 10-2 and two in Minneapolis last week. So we'll see if that pattern continues or not. Uh, statistically, it, it, it has a better chance to continue than it doesn't due to a lot of the discrepancies here. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, you know, check on those betting odds. Watch the line movement as we get through Friday. Uh, see what happens. You mentioned making multiple lineups on the Rotowire MMA lineup optimizer. Um, you can make up to 20 lineups at a time with any kind of fighter nation. So, say you want 20 lineups without John Jones, but uh, or, or with John Jones, but without Luke Rockhold, you can go ahead and, and run that using our lock exclude features. Uh, you know, the Rotowire MMA content is free as far as the articles and, and, and our rankings and podcasts and stuff like that. The DFS content, it kind of gets grouped in with our DFS package, so that is behind a paywall. But you can go to rotowire.com slash free to get a free 10-day trial to that and everything else on the website. So if you want to play some golf DFS this weekend, you want to build that MLB rank. Uh, bankroll before the all-star break this weekend just something to keep you going i'd say now is the perfect time to go ahead and go to rotowire.com slash free get the free 10-day trial and also on that optimizer that you'll get access to uh i've got it set up where i can enter the betting odds and watch those as they move and salaries points projections aside it'll make you an optimal lineup based solely on betting odds or say say you know a couple fighters that you know a lot about and uh want to use them in your lineup and then you want to just do the betting odds from there you can enter lineups that way so really cool new features on rotowire.com to uh to get going on that rotowire.com slash free rotowire.com slash pod any of those will get you a free 10-day trial without a credit card uh so i'm gonna wrap things up there thanks again for listening to the rotowire mixed martial arts podcast john littering if you want to follow him on twitter it's j-o-n L-I-T-T-E-R-I-N-E uh, great great follow there for uh, MMA content and NHL prospect content of course I'm Jake Letarski Jakeski52 you can follow me on Twitter John we got two pods this month we got, uh, we're going to be back for UFC 240 uh, Max Holloway Frankie Edgar just a couple weeks here after International Fight Week typical for uh, UFC to do that in July but uh, for now I'm just crazy excited for 239 and can't wait to check these fights out this is a good one you know we mentioned uh, last in our last pod, you know, they were the pay-per-views early in the year were a little slow. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they weren't stacked, but you got this later in the year. You know, you got um, you're going to have uh, Holloway and Edgar, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, we should have Israel Adesanya and um, Robert Whitaker in Australia. Uh, Bobby Knuckles, I can't yep. wait. You got Habib and Dustin Poirier in Abu Dhabi. You know, there mm-hmm. are big fights coming up the rest of the way. Yep, and we're seeing announcements for October coming through. We write all these announcements up on rotowire.com slash MMA if you want to check those out. That is a free part of the website, so check and I that believe, out. I believe there's a uh, also uh, – I know the UFC is having one of their, you know, they have they have like, like those quarterly press conferences or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think they have. I want to say they have one coming up. Is it? Is it might be Friday. I think Friday. it's on Friday. Yep. Is it they Friday? Don't do it too close to the weight cut, but uh, right. And they do. And whenever they have, and I, they're already teasing uh, on Twitter and stuff. Whenever they have those. Mm-hmm. They usually pop one or two big fight announcements. Exactly. And, you know, Madison Square Garden in November, as far as I know, that all is still on as planned, their annual trip over there. So I wouldn't be surprised if they announce some of those fights. We'll have it all covered for you at Rotowire MMA. So thanks again for listening to the Rotowire MMA podcast. We really appreciate you taking an hour of your time to spend with us. Uh, give us a rating review if you can. That really helps us jump out the list. Check out our sponsor over at prizepicks.com if you're looking for a little different way to play MMA this week. And, of course, rotowire.com slash free for the 10-day trial. Good luck. And most importantly, I hope one of our listeners comes up with that hundred grand this weekend. Nothing would make me happier than that. So uh, until next time, folks. Thanks, guys. When you make decisions for your company, you always look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing and shipping to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your process to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, books, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart if you sell online. Schedule package pickups through the dashboard and automatically see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are, even on the go. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other business decision makers with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.